Hello everybody and welcome to Garage Days at Gwinnett Tech. I am your host, Robert Bauman, the program director of the General Automotive Program here at Gwinnett Technical College. If you are a first-time listener, welcome to the program. Hopefully, the description of our podcast piqued your interest and you're looking forward to viewing the auto industry through the eyes of an educator and an educational facility. If you are a returning listener, thanks for the continued support. Hopefully, this means that we have the hook set and you are looking forward to future episodes. For those of you that don't know, Gwinnett Technical College is a two-year technical college located just outside of Atlanta, Georgia, and we offer 140 different programs besides automotive, or as I like to say, if you have a taste, we have a flavor. If you are interested in finding out more about those 140 programs that we offer or more about the automotive program here, you can visit our website at gwinnetttech.edu. There's a section in there of automotive technology where you can actually email me directly if you would have questions about our program or questions about the podcast. This episode is called The Glue That Binds. And no, I'm not talking about physical glue binding physical things together. You know, the automotive program here is a very big program. We're very successful. And like anything else in life, you kind of need something to hold everything together. We need someone to allow our instructors to instruct, our program director, me, to program direct, and our lab assistants to assist in the lab. And that person that fills that role is Pamela Spann. She is our administrative assistant, and she has a very vital and crucial role in the success of this automotive program. Pam ensures that our budget is taken care of, make sure that we don't overspend, make sure that whatever vendors we are using have all the appropriate paperwork so we can get what we order in a timely fashion. She looks at our schedule and makes sure that we don't have anything conflicting. Our advisory meetings are set up, our members are all contacted, She also gets with our lab assistants and sets up the schedules for them and ensures that we have coverage out in the lab at all times to ensure student safety. But probably the single most important thing that Pam does for the program is she interacts with our students. She ensures that all of our classes are full. She ensures that all the students are on the correct path towards completing the program. And you know what? She's very personable to all of our students. So they tend to bond with her a little bit and it makes them feel more comfortable as they experience our automotive program. We are going to talk with Pam in this episode and get her opinion on how things have changed, how they've gotten better, maybe how they've gotten worse. Um, Her view of things, looking at it from the outside, from a student perspective, you know, how the students have changed and and how students have responded to the program over the years. She's also going to talk about some of the automotive technology that has actually changed. You know, she's not really a car person, but when you're working in this business, you can't help but understand cars a little bit and see things and hear things. So we're going to get her perspective on that. And then we're also going to talk to her about, uh, does she give the students advice beyond just educational assistance and their path through the program? Um, Does she give them personal advice and how do they respond to that? So looking forward to talking to her and hopefully you guys will like what she has to say. So Pam, thank you for taking time to share your thoughts with us on the program and welcome. Thank you. Glad to be here. 
So Pam, I know you've worked for Gwinnett Tech for a while, but how long have you actually worked for them? Did you start in automotive or how, how did you wind up in the automotive program? Okay, I came at Gwinnett Tech um, this March. We'll make 12 years actually, and I started as the lab assistant in the commercial construction and trades division. And at that time, automotive was actually under another division. But with some reorganization, they actually added automotive to the commercial construction and trades division. So that became a part of the program that I was working in. As the years gone by, I've gotten promoted to another position as the admin assistant and the program assistant. And because the automotive building is separate from the other divisions that I worked in, they asked me, my boss at that time asked me to move over to the 300 building and kind of get them up and running and organized and um, help out the instructors and everybody over here since it was a new part of our division to make sure everything kind of ran as seamlessly as we had already gotten the other parts of our division to work. So Pam, I know we've talked uh, over the years since I've been here and you do not have an automotive background. If I'm not mistaken, your background is in finance, but have you found any kind of challenges working in an automotive program and sort of in the automotive environment? Um, yeah, um, I went to college for accounting actually, and I did accounting for quite a few years, over 20 years. I got into the educational division basically because of the economy. I changed fields and by chance knew somebody that worked in education that gave me opportunity to come over to the education division and fell in love with it. So the automotive program was not something that I expected to ever work in. It is a little challenging when you first start because I'm not you know, very versed on cars and car repairs, but it's been very interesting and it's been an adjustment. So the challenge was learning what the instructors and what the need is for automotives and automotive, the automotive program, learning what the students need and how they were going to participate, I guess you can say, in their program and the best way to get them in their program and out of their program and what that entails. It hasn't been a big, I mean, a challenge hasn't been unwelcome. I actually enjoy the challenge. I've learned a lot, but it had definitely from my previous experience has been a big adjustment. So Pam, you have been here a long time and I'm sure that you've seen, you know, just like everything else in life, you've seen a lot of changes to the program here. Uh, can you share with us what do you think have been the biggest and the most impactful changes to the automotive program? The biggest that I've seen since I've been here and I've been over in this division of automotives for probably almost seven years has been the increase in size, the number of students, the, the technology to do things from when I started. The cars are, are getting more fancy and electronic and have a lot more technology. So the biggest increases, I think, are the technology, the equipment that you use to work on cars or to tell you what's going wrong with cars. This group of students is a little different than the students that I work with in other divisions because they're a different range of ages, backgrounds, everything. So it's probably the industry is growing so fast with technology that keeping up with technology has been the biggest increase and not having a downtime where the program does not have enough students to finish because we never are in a bad situation as far as looking for students for this industry. It's always a need. There's always people looking for technicians, so we always have students coming in. We have wait lists of students trying to get into the program, which is always a good thing. So that's probably the biggest increase I've seen. 
So Pam, you're usually the first person that our students speak with or see when they come into our program. You're the one that they actually interact more with than the instructor sometimes when it comes to figuring out what they want to do. I know you mentioned students in the last answer, but how has the student base changed over your time here? And what, what have you seen with different students over the years? Have they gotten better or worse? I know we've talked about worse sometimes, so you know, just be honest with me and tell us. Um, the biggest thing I've seen with the students is the diversity. We have students from all walks of life, from all ages, from all backgrounds. We've had more. I didn't expect there to be as many women interested in, in the actual automotive field as we have had that I've seen. We've had students that are passionate about automotives, passionate about cars, and they want to learn. We've had students that I don't think are really that passionate. I think this was just something they chose to do so they can get out of the house and they thought they would like cars. The The student base has been interesting because if you have a student that's passionate about cars or passionate about what they want to do, they're usually your best students, of course. They follow instructions. They do everything I need them to do to make sure they're successful. We have students that come as early as 16 years old. I'm in dual enrollment coming out of high school. We have students as old as 60 that are not actually trying to work into the auto, in the automotive field, but are trying to learn how to do things so they can do it on their personal cars or just have a small side business. We have students that want to come and learn everything they can so they can go on and get bachelors or work, go into the field of opening their own shop and hiring other techs. So it's been real interesting watching the different dynamics of what students want and you know, how they operate based on their age, based on what their goals are, based on what they plan on doing going further. That's probably the biggest thing I've seen as far as the diversity of the students. Now, as a follow up to that, since you do deal with students sometimes more than we do, what is the biggest hurdle that you face when interacting with these students when it comes to telling them the path that they need to go on or how to enroll or how to register for classes? Okay, that one's kind of easy. The biggest hurdle that I run into with our students, mostly the younger generation, no disrespect, is technology. They're so technology savvy that they know all there is to know about how to do technology, that they don't want to do the simple things. They don't want to read emails. They don't want to check voicemail. They want you to text them with everything they do. And, you know, being in a college environment, our office phones don't use text. So, Having the text in would be would be involve using my personal phone. And with over 160, sometimes 180 students, yeah, we can't give out our personal numbers like that. So trying to keep in touch with the students to make sure they're aware of what they need to do, the next steps, the next class, if there's a problem with their paperwork or um, trying to register, and getting in touch with them when they don't check their emails or when they don't have voicemail on their phone so I can get in touch with them. That's been the biggest hurdle, trying to get them to understand that at all times you're a college student and we need to get in touch with you just in case something changes. If a class is canceled, if you need to turn in a piece of paperwork to finish a class, trying to make sure we can stay in constant contact with you when you don't check your phones, I mean you don't check your email or you don't um, have voicemail or your phone number changes and you don't make us aware that your number has changed, that's been the biggest hurdle, trying to stay in constant contact with the students. And again, you, you deal with the students all the time. And, and what's nice is we get to hear you talking with them. So we know the, the students tend to develop a little bit of a relationship with you. Uh, I know you're a, a good person to, to communicate with and talk to, and you have a great personality. So that makes them kind of 
become more at ease when they're talking to you. Is there any advice you've given to these kids when they're you know, new to college or new to the industry? And have any students uh, done things or talked to you about stuff where you've given some personal life advice? Well, the advice that I give the students usually is based on their age. The younger students, I advise them to take advantage of this opportunity while they can, do the best that they can, pay attention, study, don't waste this opportunity because life goes by so fast. And if you get what you need to get now as your your younger years, master your craft or master what you want to do. In your later years, you might not have to work as hard. You know, I've done it in, in my years where I've tried to do everything I can to be as professional and on top of everything. So when I, as you get older, you don't have to work so hard. So I try to tell the younger students to don't waste this opportunity. Make sure you constantly pay attention, do what needs to be done, finish your work. First of all, don't waste your money. Don't come to school and pay for something that you're not going to get educated on or that's not going to benefit you. The benefit of coming to college is so you can map out your career path to the best of your ability to help you. The older students, they, you know, they've worked in, in different fields. They might be coming back because they've tired of a field they worked in and trying to change. And what I usually advise them is to do what makes makes you happy. Do what makes, you know, they usually have families that benefit you and your family. Same thing, though. Don't come to school and waste time because, you know, there's a lot of knowledge you can re- gain and receive from the instructors and what they're doing here. So, and it helps out a lot the more you know. When you're trying to move up in any field, whether it's automotive or whatever field you're trying to work in, the best thing you can do is be good at what you do to help you move up your salary everything if you're not good at what you do and you're watching people surpass you you might need to take a look at why you're not moving up or why you're not as passionate about what the next person is doing that they're moving up so i usually give them kind that kind of advice for while they're in class now personal advice i usually tell all of our students the number one thing i tell our students when they come through this program is graduation always attend your graduation A lot of the students think once they finish their high school graduation that, you know, I've done that. This is not that important. And I try to express the importance of graduating because there are very few times in life where you are celebrated by your family, by your peers, by your instructors, where people actually want to celebrate your accomplishments. So anytime you can be celebrated by your accomplishments, please participate. You'll be amazed at how well you, um, how good that makes you feel and how proud your family and your friends are for accomplishing it for your kids. They watch you celebrating your accomplishments. They're more likely to go in and celebrate their accomplishments because when you get out in the real world, nobody celebrates you going to work every day. That's just life. So I try to explain to them how important graduation is. And the other thing I try to, to give them advice on being in the workforce for more than 40 years is you work for you. The company that you work for might pay you, but your reputation follows you. So the best job you can do is to make sure everything you do reflects well on you. So if you have to change jobs or if you're looking for a promotion, nobody can say, well, I I can't promote him. He doesn't do well. If you do the best you can do to satisfy what you need, that reputation follows you everywhere you go from from promotion to promotion from job to job 
you don't want a reputation where if you're looking for another job, somebody can call your previous employee and they say, you know, he didn't do well or she didn't do well. She was kind of lazy. She didn't show up on time. You don't want that kind of reputation. Um, that will hinder you moving forward in whatever your career path is. So that's my best best advice I give to the students is to make sure you always look at it as I work for myself and I'm going to do the best job I can to make sure whatever I do, people see it. So it'll move me forward and whatever my goals are. All right, Pam, we're going to shift gears a little bit. And again, I know you don't have an automotive background, but you know what? You're around automotive people all day. All of us instructors, all of the students, you've been in photo opportunities and meetings where we've had new vehicles donated and, and manufacturers come in and talk to us. Is there anything that you've heard or you've watched us talk about or you've heard us mention about automotive specifically that's either exciting or you hear it and you kind of go, I don't know, that sounds a little bit scary to me. Okay, the thing that's most scary to me being into being in this industry and, and watching the instructors and learning a little bit about automotives is the detailed takes to work on a car. There's so many moving parts. There's so many things that have to be done correctly that if it's not done correctly could cause accidents. I didn't realize there's so many different parts in different cars. I didn't realize oil changes in one car is different than an oil change in another car and luxury cars are different than non-luxury. It's a lot of detail. That's been the scariest part. The most exciting part is learning the differences in the different cars and what I can do on my own. I'm not a car person, I'm, but I, I enjoy learning the small things like how to check my oil, how to check my fluids, how to check my tire pressure, just the normal things that keep me running on a daily basis. If I got stuck on the side of the road and had a flat tire, learn how to change a flat. So it's been helpful to make sure the small things that I can do to keep my car moving until I get to if there's a big problem and have to take it to a shop I can manage the little things to keep it from becoming a big thing all right so we're going to try something out here on a fun note um, is there any specific car you're a fan of like me I tell the students uh, I grew up most of my younger years were spent in the 80s which was the greatest decade <laughs> and Miami Vice is hands down the greatest TV show ever and so my walls in my room as a as a young teenager had posters of the Lamborghini Countach on it. Now, if I had unlimited funds and I had uh, availability to parts and service, that's a car that I would have. Is it impractical? Absolutely. But you know what? I can still remember that poster on my wall and it always brings a smile to my face. And there's a sentimental car that I would always love to have again. My very first car was a 1978 Pontiac Trans Am. And I purchased it from my uncle uh, for, for very cheap at the time, $400. The engine didn't run, the transmission didn't run. So that car got me into automotive to the point where I was going to the salvage yard to find parts to get it running. And, you know, as a 15, 16 year old kid, I took a car that had to be towed to my parents' house and got it running and drove around. And you know what? Can't watch Smokey and the Bandit without thinking about that car. So, any thoughts on that from your end? Well, I, with my background being in accounting, I've always been the car person that bought the economy car, the car that doesn't require a lot of uh, maintenance, doesn't require a lot of gas. More, I'm just an economy type person. And I've liked my cars. I love the cars that I drive because of the low maintenance, because of the low gas prices to keep them filled up. But like Bob said, if I had the unlimited resources to buy what I want, and most people would not guess this for me, I would love to have two cars. 
One would always be a truck, but I want the big truck. I want the double cab truck. I want the huge wheels. I want the big back so I can put whatever I want in the back. I've always had this thing about driving a truck up to a concert or drive in and getting chairs and put them in the back of the um, cab and, you know, with a cooler and just sitting back and being outside on the back of a truck. So I love big trucks. My other car would be a convertible, either a convertible Maserati or a convertible Mercedes Benz. The thing with the convertible is I love the fact that I can drive, you know, on the weekends or on vacation with the top down and the wind blowing through your hair and, you know, just that look. The convertibles have always been a favorite of mine. I don't like the maintenance on those cars and the cost to keep them up. So that's probably why I haven't bought one yet. But unlimited funds, I'd probably have three vehicles. My normal, everyday, run-of-the-mill, you know, economy car that keeps us low on gas and easy to fix. My truck. So I can hit the road when I want to and just stop and sit in the back and look up at the stars. And of course, the convertible to ride down on the beach and just chill out and have the wind blowing in your face. So that would be, I would own three cars if I could own three cars. All right. Last question. Uh, I asked this to all of our guests and actually I asked this to a lot of people. Um, You'd have to be living in a cave if you don't see what's going on around us. They are in this massive push towards self-driving vehicles. Uh, you know here at, at Gwinnett Tech, we are starting a program about driverless vehicles, semi-autonomous vehicles, and advanced driver assist systems. Now I share with my students, if I want a self-driving car, I'm just gonna call an Uber. I tend to like driving, even if it's running to the store or running the Home Depot, I just like to drive. And I also don't like giving up that much control to a computer. I, again, I know you're not, a a real automotive person, but what do you feel about that? And do you have any thoughts on us pushing to self-driving vehicles? Self-driving vehicles, for, for me, my thoughts are at one instance, they can be exciting because, you know, hopefully they could do stuff that you wouldn't do or keep, you know, look, I don't know how to say it, but when you're not paying attention on the road or, you know, making sure it gives you it cuts down on accidents. It cuts down on people who are not paying attention. It helps you to navigate a car in case of a situation like somebody cuts in front of you. Maybe the self-driving car will know that there's a car coming and hit on hit the brakes for you so you don't make a mistake and you don't get into accidents. So there's a little bit of advantage to me of having a self-driving car. But for the most part, I'm kind of like Bob. I like driving. I prefer to be in control of the car. I don't trust other people who might have a self-driving car to just take a full step back and fall asleep in the car and hope the car does everything they need them to do. I prefer to be in a car, driving it myself, um, having control, being a safe driver. I think with self-driving cars, it might eliminate the fact that people are, tr- are working hard to be safe drivers or working hard to make sure they pay attention to the world or pay attention to what's going on in traffic or pay attention to other cars that are coming in different directions. I've grown, I've lived in several different states and the traffic is different and the way people drive is different in all states. And you have to learn to pay attention to your surroundings. I'd be a little worried about the self-driving car, people who are in self-driving cars, not taking the time to pay attention to their surroundings and thinking that they don't have to be as skilled a driver because the car is going to do a lot of the work. I'd also be a little worried about if something malfunctions in the car while it's self-driving and you're not paying attention and then you have an accident. So I don't know how I feel about total self-driving cars. I think it could be a little exciting, but 
yeah, I think I'd rather continue to drive myself. Well, Pam, that was really a good interview. Uh, you shared a really nice perspective uh, on the automotive industry, something not just through the eyes of an educator, but someone who is looking at it from a, an outside view, a different view. And as I said at the beginning, hopefully the audience understands that, yeah, you're the glue that binds this program together. If it wasn't for you, all these moving parts that we have wouldn't be able to work together and we wouldn't have the success that we have. I really enjoy working with you. I, I know everybody else does. And keep doing what you're doing because we do have a really good program and a big part of it is because of you. So again, Pam, thank you so much for sharing some time with us. Well, I truly appreciate you asking me to participate in this podcast and give my opinion on the automotive industry and the things that I've learned, the things that I've been excited about helping the students. I really, really didn't think I would be as valuable as the guys tell me I am in this industry since I'm not an automotive person, but working with the students, making sure they're getting the best education they can get by making sure they get through everything they need to get through, answering their questions, um, helping them by just giving them life experiences or advice on what they need to do has been beneficial to me. And I really just enjoy working with um, the automotive guys and the students at Gwinnett Tech. So thank you for asking me to do this. Well, that concludes this episode. Hope you enjoyed it. I hope that people were able to understand that a program of this size and a program um, of this this much technology and this much moving parts, that everybody that works here works together as a team to ensure the success that we have. Um, like I said a couple of times, Pam is really a great person to work with. Um, and when you have great people working around you, it tends to make the environment easier to work it. It tends to make it a more relaxed environment. And if it's more relaxed, we tend to feel better coming to work. And, and that directly relates to doing our jobs better. So we did take a little bit of a break due to COVID, but we are going to be producing more of these episodes. So if you haven't subscribed, please subscribe, get notifications, because you're going to start seeing more and more of these episodes come out, whether it's myself talking about something. And uh, I have a slate of guests that are coming in to speak, students, um, some non-traditional students and some other people of the automotive industry. And I'll be able to reveal some very exciting news about our program coming up when I have one of those guests. So remember, if you need to know anything about Gwinnett Tech, please visit our website at gwinnetttech.edu. Um, and if you need to get in touch with me, just go into the automotive technology section. There's a link there that you can email me on. I'm open to any questions. If you have questions about the auto industry uh, from an education standpoint, please send them to me and you know maybe I can make an episode in the future that addresses some of your questions. Now, despite everything that we talked about, everything that you heard today, I always want you to remember one thing. Technicians keep the world rolling.